Greetings, beloved in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord? Pastor Louis James, when he was busy with the baptism service, he said, this is the celebration time. We are indeed celebrating. Amen. And I like the song that we're singing. It says, Mercy rewrote my life. It just says, we probably have different backgrounds. Some of us, if we were to tell you what we did before, you probably wouldn't want to sit next to that person. But mercy has rewritten our lives. That we can actually be accepted before God and we can actually come here and fellowship with one another. Mercy rewrote my life. Can we all say mercy rewrote my life? More so when we are celebrating with those who were baptized today, it's a bold step of faith that you've taken and you are declaring before everybody else that I've chosen to follow Jesus. And it's a decision that I will stand for and I'm trusting God to help me lead a holy life before him. Can we go together to the book of Revelation chapter 20? I'm just going to use this verse as an introduction. Revelations 20, I'll do it in the New King James Version. Verse 12 to verse 15. I'm reading it, Revelation 20, 12 to 15. It says, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let me repeat verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was was cast into the lake of fire. When do we get our names written in the book of life? Do we do it after death? Like sometimes people would say, after somebody's dead and it's in a coffin, they are praying for the ways to be opened before him. There are no such scriptures. If I read here for you, it says, the dead were judged according to their works. So, However you are living now, when we give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, this is the time to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. This is the time to take a bold step like you, my brethren. We have decided we want to follow Jesus, but we are also making an open and public declaration so that we can have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Is your name written in the book? Is your name in the book of life? You are not expecting the pastor to pray for ways to open for you after you are dead. Because you make that decision yourself now when you are alive. You make a choice. 
like they have decided to say we want to follow Jesus. So I want to pick up on, we started talking about understanding salvation last week here at Jesus the Savior Church, but for the sake of Beacon of Hope Fellowship, we just put it all together and understand and leads it to what our brethren here have, the steps they have taken. So if you look at this, John talks about seeing the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. So all of us, we probably would appear there in the judgment, before the judgment seat of Christ. Now the decision to accept Jesus, you do it now. And your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But once your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, there's still life to live here on earth. So which means salvation, we're talking about understanding salvation. Salvation does not only entail getting your name written in the Lamb's book of life, which is the first thing that should be done. Amen? You at least have to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Even if you were to be like that man who was with Jesus, you remember when Jesus was on the cross, there were two criminals with him. One said, remember me when you come into the kingdom of your father. And he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, tonight you will be with me in paradise. So that man did not have time to live the life of salvation on earth, but he got saved. He, spent, he will spend eternity with the rest of us. But for us who accept Jesus and we still have to live here on the earth, salvation has to be a larger package than just having your name written in the book of life. So that's why we need to understand this. So let's go together to the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, 6 to 13, New King James Version, it says, But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? So how do we accept Jesus? How do we get our names written in the Lamb's book of life? We are heading for elections next year. Some of you know next week they say is the week for registration. They want you to register so that they will know you are coming to vote. You don't just pitch up. They have to know you're coming. Either you have registered already long ago, at least your name is there. If you haven't registered yet, your name has to be there. Otherwise, you won't be able to vote. So similarly, if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you cannot inherit eternal life. But then it says, how then do we take this message of faith? How does it work? It says, verse 8, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. We're talking salvation now. That if you, and this is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe where? In your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it means the step of getting baptized, that's not what makes us get saved. That is just a declaration, a public declaration, a symbol of 
the decision you have taken in your heart. Amen. So just need so that my brethren here, you may understand that that's a bold step that you have taken, but that baptism should be confirming something that has taken place in your heart. Because we believe with our hearts and confess with our mouth, and then we get saved. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jews and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want us to pick that and understand. I want to link verse 13 with verse 10. It says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when I say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, I'm confessing Jesus as my Lord. And I say, from today I want to live for you. I'm turning back on the ways of the world and make that public declaration with my mouth. Believing in my heart that Jesus died for my sins. It says, then I will be saved. But then, when it says, verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. To me, it goes beyond just getting saved when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. There are many things from which I want to be saved now. Amen? There are many dangers and many troubles where I want to be safe. I want to feel that I'm secured. Therefore, that word salvation... I will read the Greek rendition of it. They use the word soteria. And I will explain to you what it means. It means to rescue. Okay, let me give you a simple example. If somebody is drowning in the water, people go and rescue them, isn't it? If they are early enough. And then you can say they have saved your life because you were in trouble. So anybody who has not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they are in trouble. They need to be saved. And so that word salvation means to rescue, to deliver. It also means preservation from danger or destruction. Deliverance from sin and its consequences and admission to eternal life. So when I accept Jesus, I'm saved. Amen. I'm not only saved from sin and its consequences, but I'm also delivered from the hands of the enemy. Okay, let me give you this simple example. How many of you sometimes you find you were with somebody today and you were excited and you were talking and this person was talking about how they will be enjoying Christmas with you and the next day you hear they are dead? which then just says, and sometimes some of them you even heard, that one committed suicide. But it didn't even show on their face. We thought they were fine. It means there is an enemy here who wants to keep us captive. Who wants to show you there is no reason to leave. Who wants to give you all the reasons why you should end your life. Or who wants to give you all the reasons why you should end somebody's life. That cannot be God. Amen? So we also need to be saved also from that. That's why I want to look, I will give you several scriptures 
which showed that when actually before we accepted Jesus, we were held hostage by the devil. We were under his control. He could do with us whatever he wanted to do. If he wants to strike you with sickness, he just do it. If he wants to kill you, he kills you. If he wants to do to break your family, he breaks it. So we need to be saved. We need to be rescued. We need to be given a new lease in life. When you say mercy rewrote my life, it means I have been given a new lease in life. My past doesn't matter anymore. So go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. I will do it verse 1 to 3 in, in contemporary English version, C-E-V. And Mr. MJ, you will get it ready for us, First Peter 1, 18 and 19, New King James Version. But let me do Hebrews 2, 1 to 4 CEV. Then I will do First Peter 1, 18 to 19, New King James Version. I want to explain these things to you carefully so that you don't only think of salvation as having your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, which is the first and most essential step. But after that step, there's still life to live. There are still many things that we want to be rescued from. There are still diseases and sicknesses and calamities that we want to be saved from. So look at this. Hebrews 2, 1 to, 4, 1 to 3, CEV. It says, we must give full attention to what we were told so that we won't drift away. The message spoken by angels proved to be true and all who disobeyed or rejected it were punished as they deserved. In other words, anybody who did not accept the message that was given was not saved. Verse 3. So if we refuse this great way of being saved, how can we hope to escape? So in other words, God has provided a way for us to be saved. But if we neglect this great salvation, how can we escape? It means we will always be held hostage by the enemy. Don't you know that sometimes you, you hear people saying, you find a three-month-old baby, and they say somebody raped a three-month-old baby. You can see that, that it's, it's, a normal person can't do that. It means that person is a slave of a certain force. So that's why then the issue of if we neglect salvation, we will live aimless lives, because then we will be under the dominion of the devil. And John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes only but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the mission of the enemy. Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life and enjoy it. Amen. That's the mission of Jesus. And that is the word of faith which we preach. We tell you, you can enjoy life in Christ. When the thief is out to kill, to steal, and to destroy, we can enjoy life in Christ. So, we want to be rescued from the hands of the enemy. So I want you to understand salvation as being rescued, as being saved, as being delivered. But we are delivered from sin and its consequences, but we are also delivered from anything that the enemy may want to do to you. Do you know that if people are held hostage, their hostage taker can do with them whatever he wants at any time? We need to be rescued. Now listen. Go to 1 Peter 1, 18-19. Mr. MJ. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible, corruptible things 
like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. We, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. So if you just read that word redeemed, then you won't understand why not with corruptible things like silver and gold. If somebody is held hostage, usually the main thing that people want is what is ransom, money. Okay? It says, it says you were not rescued by corruptible things like silver and gold. You were rescued by the blood of Jesus. And I like that. Amen? Actually, let's link it with this one. I want to make it clear for you. Mark 10.45 NIV. Because when somebody is held hostage, what do the hostage takers want? For that person to be rescued, they want a ransom. So the only way you can deliver them, either you pay a ransom or you go and rescue them by force. So I will show you what happened when Jesus died. Amen. He rescued me. And look at this. Mark 10.45 NIV, Mr. MJ. For even the Son of Man did not come to be saved, but to save and to give his life as a ransom for many. What did he come to give his life as? A ransom. A ransom is paid if somebody is held captive. Isn't it? He came to give his life as a ransom for many. Which says, where I was captured, where the devil could do with me whatever he wanted, Jesus rescued me. Can you tell your neighbor, the Lord has rescued me? Amen. I'm rescued. I've got all the reasons to celebrate. I, I don't have the fear of, of, of a hostage taker anymore. You know the people who usually say to you, you never know, you may move from here and you're knocked down by the car and you die. Those are people who are still held hostage. The hostage taker can do with you whatever he wants at any time he wants. But when you are free... You know that Jesus is coming, he's come to give me life and life in abundance. You know that the Lord says he satisfies me with long life. You know that he says he has formed a hedge around me, around my family, and around all that is mine on every side. You know that he says he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my God in whom I trust. You see, when you are no longer held hostage, you know that the angel of the Lord encamps around you and protects you wherever you go. You are free now. Amen? Ephesians 4 verse 8. I will read in the God's Word translation. Ephesians 4 8. God's Word. It says, that's why the scripture says, when he went to the highest place, he took captive those who had captured us and gave gifts to people. Did you hear that? So the time when Jesus died, he surrendered his life and his blood as a ransom for us. But I see it this way. This is not in scriptures. But it's how I see it. So it's, it's, you don't have to believe it. I see it like this. Because we were held hostage, 
And the enemy wanted to do with us whatever he wanted to do. And Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sake of my brethren. I see it as Jesus going there and saying, take me. Let these ones go. That's a ransom. And the devil agreed to the deal not knowing that Jesus, Jesus, you remember when he rose from the dead, he said, all authority on heaven and on earth is given unto me. I've got the power. Amen. So, when that exchange took place, Jesus himself went there. I'll give you, let me give you these scriptures. Let's go to, yeah, I think I need to give you this one. Because it links well to, to that part where he, yeah, let's go to, instead of starting at Hebrews, let's go to First Peter 3. 18 to 22 in the Living Bible, TLB, Living Translation. So those who had captured us thought that they had us. And Jesus came. So when he died, he did not die and just go to paradise, but he also went to Hades to rescue us who were captured. And I will give you a scripture. So this is the scripture, 1 Peter 3, 18 to 22. It explains what I'm saying to you, so that even if it's my thought, but at least I can argue it from this point of view. The Living Bible, it says, Christ also suffered. He died once for the sins of all us guilty sinners, although he himself was innocent of any sin at any time, that he might bring us safely home to God. You get that part? He died so that he might bring us, so we were somewhere, so that he might bring us home safely to God. But though his body died, his spirit lived on. And he was in the spirit, it was in the spirit that he visited, because I'm telling you, the things I was telling you, it's in scriptures. He visited the spirits in prison. And preached to them. Spirits of those who long before in days of Noah. Had refused to listen to God. Though he waited patiently for them. While Noah was building the ark. So you remember during the time of Noah. Noah was keeping on telling people. You need to be saved. You need to be saved. Come into the ark. Come into the ark. And the whole world did not accept that. It was only Noah and his family. That God saved. Now the Bible says when Jesus died. He went into the prison and those who were held captive by the enemy, he went and preached to them. Now look at this. He preached, he visited the spirits in prison and preached to them. The spirits of those who long before in the days of Noah had refused to listen to God. Though he waited patiently for them while Noah was building the ark. So I think this one's had a second chance. You see, for, for you, don't think this will happen. Jesus is not going to die again. To get another chance to listen after you are dead. Because for this one, it says they refused during the time of Noah. But when Jesus died, he went down to them and preached to them. That's when he was going to set them free. Now look. Yet only eight persons were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. 
You know it's only Noah and his family were saved. All of them drowned. Now again you hear how I'm using the word saved. Hmm? Only eight were saved. The rest drowned. So how many of us are getting saved? It means even in the days of we are living in, there are still others who are drowning. When others are getting saved. Because they are rejecting the way of salvation. Look, it says, that but that, by the way, is what baptism, you see now he links it with baptism. He says that, by the way, is what baptism pictures for us. In baptism, we show that we have been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ. Not because, of our, because our bodies are washed clean by water, but because in being baptized, we are turning to God. And asking him to cleanse our hearts from sin. You see what he just did? Amen? So if it was during the times of Noah, you would have been saved. You would have been in the ark. Because you heard the message saying, don't stay out there. Come into the house of the Lord. Come into the ark. And you accepted it. And then you will be saved from the drowning. It's like the days that we are living in. Do you know that people will usually tell them about salvation? Accept Jesus. Accept. They take it like a joke. So during the time of Noah, people were doing like that. Especially because it never, there was never a flood that flood, flooded the whole world. Now imagine somebody says, I want to build an ark. All of you come here and be safe here in the ark. The whole world will be in flood. They couldn't believe that. Now by the time when the floods came, and some of them now started seeing the reality. Started knocking on the... Noah, please open for us. Noah, now we see the reality of this. It was too late. <coughs> but it seems some of them got a second bite at the cherry when Jesus went to preach to them. But for us and all of you, if you do not accept it when we're telling you now, there will come a time when it's too late. Amen. So he says baptism... It's the way, it's, 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 it's a symbol, it's a picture, it's a symbol, it symbolizes that we have been saved, we have been delivered and rescued with the resurrection of Christ and we are actually getting a clear conscience before God. You know, before you were saved, there were a lot of things that you did. Some of them, you actually did them with that very same body. Now, every time you look at that body, you think, but why did I do that? So in baptism, it says, it's also a way of, it's like you're getting that clearance of conscience. So I say, now I'm, I'm, I'm reassured of my salvation. I'm reassured that my sins are forgiven. I'm reassured that my slate is wiped clean. Because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus washes away our sins. Unlike the blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament, which only atoned or covered sins, the blood of Jesus does not cover sins, it washes them away. So it means if you sinned, and your sin is like a big red mark here, and I take something and cover it, it's still there, isn't it? It's just covered. That's what used to happen in the Old Testament with the blood of bulls and goats. The blood of Jesus does not cover sins. It washes away 
sin. So it means, when you say mercy rewrote my life, it means whatever, however way that people knew you, it doesn't matter anymore. My sins are washed away. I'm a brand new person in Christ. You are able to sing and say, I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. All things have passed away. I'm born again. More than a conqueror. That's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. You can only be a brand new person in Christ when Christ washes away your sins with his blood. And then we reaffirm it with, with baptism today. Like it said here, this is the picture of what happened. Now go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5 to 18. Good news translation, I'll read. It says, God has not placed the angels. So um, I want to extend, you see, the thing of salvation, I told you, it's not only about dying and coming to be with the Lord. It also means even when we are still here on the earth, we need salvation every day. There are many things that we need to be rescued from on daily basis. This is what Hebrews chapter 2 says. So when you get time, reach home, read the whole book of Hebrews chapter 2. So God has not placed the angels as rulers over the new world to come, the world of which we speak. Verse 6. Instead, as it is said somewhere in the scripture, what are human beings, O God, that you should think about them? Mere human beings that you should care for them. You see what that verse is asking? It says, what are these people that God would be so much concerned about? Do you know that God is very much concerned about me? Tell your neighbor, God is very much concerned about me. He thinks about me. Sometimes people will say to you, who do you think you are? Now, here it says, what are human beings? So this guy was surprised. What are human beings that God would so much think about them? What, what are mere human beings that you should care for them? You made them for a little while lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor. I'm crowned with glory and honor. And made them rulers over all things. You see my salvation ticket? It's more than just me dying and going to heaven. He made me ruler over all things. It says, so some of you will say, but if we are rulers, it doesn't seem like we are always ruling, isn't it? That scripture will also tell you. It says, it says that God made them rulers over all things. This clearly includes everything. Did you see the Bible explaining itself? It says, when it says he made him ruler of, over everything, and now in your mind you say, everything. He says clearly it means everything. When he says clearly it means everything, now you start asking, but is everything really under? And he will ask that also. He says, Verse 8, and made them rulers over everything. It says that God made them rulers over all things. This clearly includes everything. We do not, however, see human beings ruling over all things now. Even though they have been given authority to rule over everything. He says, but we don't see them ruling over everything now. What do we see? But we do see Jesus, 
who for a while, little while was made lower than the angels, so that through God's grace he should die for everyone. We see him now crowned with glory and honor, like we were crowned with glory and honor. Because of the death he suffered. It was only right that God who creates and preserves all things should make Jesus perfect through suffering in order to bring many children to share his glory. So when Jesus died, he wanted me to share in his glory. When he overcame, he wanted me to share in his victory. So I can also say I am victorious because of the victory that Jesus got. So I'm sharing in his glory. Now it says, for Jesus is the one who leads them to salvation. So he leads us to salvation and he also shows us how to have everything under our feet. Verse 11. He purifies people from their sins and both he and those who are made pure all have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his family. You know when you have accepted Jesus, Jesus is not ashamed to call you part of his family. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is not ashamed to call me his family. Which means, the other way, it means if I haven't accepted Jesus yet, he says, if you are ashamed to, to proclaim me before men, what will he do also? He will also be ashamed to proclaim us before the Father. Because you denied him. But if you take a decision to say, I want to be one with him, he says, I will not reject you. He's not ashamed to call us his family. He says to God, I will tell my people what you have done. I will praise you in their meeting. So Jesus is in our meeting. He praises the Father through us. He also says, I will put my trust in God. And he also says, here I am with the children that God has given me. Since the children, as he calls them, are people of flesh and blood, Jesus himself became like them and shared their human nature. He did this so that through his death, I want you to look at this carefully. He did this so that through his death he might do what? Eh? I told you, when he was paying a ransom, when he brought his life and said, it's a ransom, the devil did not know what would come after that. He thought it's an exchange and now I've got Jesus. Now it says, when Jesus through his death, what did he do? That he might destroy the devil who had what? You don't have the Bibles, or is it just in my Bible only? I thought it's in everybody's Bible. Because if it's only in my Bible, I'm the only one who will repeat the benefits. But it should be in your Bible also. It says, he did this so that, it's verse 14, so that through his death, he might destroy the devil who had the power of a death. You see that? Jesus did that to destroy the devil who had the power over death. Now he no longer has it. Because Jesus, in dying, he rescued me. He took, he says, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go with my victory. So he destroyed him who had power over death. Verse 15. And in this way, he set free, you see now rescue. In this way he set free those who were slaves all their lives because of their fear of death. 
So unfortunately, you find even in the days we're living in, there are still people who are always saying, you never know, I can die any moment, you never know. So they are living in fear of death all the time, when actually they are rescued. Jesus destroyed the devil who had the power of death, so that then I cannot die in the devil's terms. Amen. You remember when Jesus was going to be crucified? You remember the words he said? He said, the prince of the world is coming at me. He says, but he has nothing in me. And he says, I lay down my life. So he decided to die. If he didn't want to die, you remember when Peter, when they were coming to arrest him and Peter slashed the ear of one of those guys? Jesus said, he who uses a sword will die of the sword. Put back your sword. And he said, if I didn't want to die, I could have called upon my father and my father would have dispatched angels to protect me. So it means he decided to die. He was not hijacked into death. And he said it himself that if I did not want to die, so if you don't want to die, you can call upon the angels to protect you. You can call upon the name of the Lord to preserve you. It's up to you. You remember Hezekiah when he was told it's time to die? Huh? Yeah. Read your Bible. If you don't read your Bible, you'll lose out. Because you'll keep on hearing people's stories and you don't check. So Hezekiah was told by the man of God that put your house in order, you are going to die. You are not going to recover from this sickness. And the Bible says Hezekiah turned to the wall. Because he felt, I don't want to go now. So he went to the giver of life and he says, Lord, not now. And what did the Lord do? The Lord said, okay, let's add 15 more years. And now you tell me, for Hezekiah it was, you never know. Anytime you move from here, no. He understood his covenant with God. And we need to understand our covenant with God. To know that the one who had the power of death does not have it now. Amen. He doesn't have it. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run unto it and they are safe. So when the enemy wants to destroy your life, you can be secured and safe in Jesus. When the enemy says to you, this is an incurable disease, you are going to die. There's nothing more that medical science or people can do for you. Go to your relatives, tell them, write the will, finish everything because you are going to die. You can be like Hezekiah. He says, not now. Why? Because we are delivered. Look at Colossians 1.13. We, be we, we are beginning our descent now. We're not landing yet. We're beginning our descent because we also need to celebrate with this one. So we're beginning our descent. Colossians 1.13. Uh, Mr. MJ, I will do it in the Passion. You can do it in the Amplified Classic. We read them both together. You will read Colossians 1.13, Amplified Classic. Mr. MJ, I will read it in the Passion Translation. I want you now to start understanding Colossians 1.13 in a better way. Understanding that now you have been rescued. You were once captured. You were once imprisoned. Colossians 1.13, the Passion, in my version, it says, 
He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. So I was under the tyrannical rule of darkness where I was a slave of Satan, a slave of sin, and the devil could do with me whatever he wanted. And Jesus has rescued me. And he has translated me to his kingdom. In his kingdom, we live in divine hell. In his kingdom, our needs are met according to the, to the Lord Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In his kingdom, we live in peace. In his kingdom, we live in love with one another. While in the kingdom of darkness, they are hating each other and fighting. In the kingdom of God, we live in peace and love one another. We are there for one another. This is the new kingdom that we are in. So that's why if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have to live in newness of life. Colossians says we have to live in newness of life in line with this new way of life because we have been translated from that old way of life. Mr. MJ, read it in the Amplified Classic. The Father has delivered... Okay, again, you see the word delivered. Hmm? Yeah, delivered means you were in trouble. Yes. Now, unfortunately, others are still ignoring that salvation. That's why the Bible says, how will you escape if you neglect this great salvation? Yeah. If there is an opportunity to be delivered and you say, no, no, then you will be destroyed. Like during the time of Noah. So, repeat. The Father. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Ish. Can we say ish? I mean, I've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, from the tyrannical rule of de the devil, from anything that the devil could do to me, and I've been translated into the kingdom of God. In this kingdom, we have peace, man. You can sleep and fall asleep. Sleep like a baby. Amen. Because I'm in this kingdom. That's why if you have not as yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are missing out. Because you are remaining under bondage. When actually a way of salvation has been made. When you could have been free. And you are choosing to remain there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So it means I have a choice to make. And I choose to follow Jesus. Can we say, I choose to follow Jesus? Amen. It's a choice I make because I know the benefits in following Jesus. He has rescued me. He has set me free. Go with me to John chapter 8, 31 to 36 NIV. John 8, 31 to 36. Now you will start understanding a lot of scriptures that probably before you didn't understand about being set free, about being rescued. That is the term redemption, to be redeemed. So John 8, 31 to 36 NIV, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth, you see redemption. The truth will set you free. Yes. Imagine you say that 
to many people in South Africa. We say, no, we got our freedom in 1994. So when he said it to these guys, listen to what they said. When he said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Verse 33. It's probably like some of us. They said, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? Is that not what people will tell you? If you go to a person now and say, the Lord wants to set you free. Free from what? I'm free myself. I know my rights. I know my constitutional rights. I'm free. The Bill of Rights gave me a lot of rights. I'm free. So they said, we've been, never been slaves. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus answered and said, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Did you see that? Yeah, because sometimes you find a person after having done all those terrible things, they say, I don't, I don't know what got into me. I, I, I'm ashamed of what I've done. I don't know why I did that. Which says, you are a slave. So, but if the son wants to set you free, so that you can have control. And he says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Tell your neighbor, there is freedom in the name of Jesus. I have victory in the name of Jesus. And it means in everything. Just like I got saved and my name is written in the book of life because I confessed with my mouth. Even when I'm facing things that are a threat to my life, I need to call on the name of Jesus. And then I will be saved. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. And then we will land with 1 Thessalonians. Philippians 2, 9 to 11, New King James Version says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. You know this name, we like calling it. Some of you, you are not bold to declare the name of Jesus. You know that there are people sometimes they will tell you, don't, you see, you must respect all other religions. You can't just talk the name of Jesus here. But other religions talk in Arabic and we don't tell them not to talk in Arabic. So it means they pray the way they know their God hears them. You need to pray the way you know your God hears you. If my God says I come to him in the name of Jesus, that's the name I will proclaim. If he says I cannot be saved by any other name except the name of Jesus, that is the name I will proclaim. So it says he has given him a name. Fortunately, this name is not comparable to any other name. That's the good thing. So other people may have names. Tell your neighbor, other people and other religions may have names. But there is one name that is above every name. And that's the name of Jesus. 
And actually, God did not only give him that name and made it above every name. He also made sure that in that name, there is power. Amen. And look at this. Verse 10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. So in other words, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. It's, it's cancer a name. It should bow to the name of Jesus. Is high blood pressure a name? It should bow to the name of Jesus. Anything that you can think of, all should bow to the name of Jesus. And that's why I can say, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The Russians run unto it and they are safe. That is the name by which we get saved. That is the name in which we proclaim our boldness and our confidence. I like it that now, now that you are in the kingdom and you are also baptized. Can I tell you the secret of our victory? The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Even if you find yourself in trouble, instead of calling, Mawel, call Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So any trouble that I'm in, I'm going to call on the name of Jesus. And he will deliver me. He will rescue me. Because when his name is mentioned, there is victory. There is power in the name of Jesus. Amen. To break every chain. There is power in that name. And you say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I have a victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, demons will have to flee. For when I call the name of Jesus, none can stand before me. Jesus, 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 I have a victory. So why don't you call in the name? You just said, when I call in the name of Jesus, nothing can stand before me. Some of you keep on saying, hey, they are standing on my way. You see, they are standing on my way of my promotion. When I call in the name of Jesus, none can stand before me. Let's call it Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I have a victory. Amen. Amen. That's our salvation. So I started by the name being written in the book, which is where we need to start. Okay? Let me conclude with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 and 17 and Revelations 22. So, I've shown you that 
the first step is to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But I also showed you that there is a time when we are living here on the earth where we must live in victory, where our salvation should benefit us. Now, I want to end it by telling you the Lord is coming back. Jesus is coming back. So I'm ending it where we started. Now, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, the New King James Version. I like this one. It says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven. You know, he, after he died, he conquered, he gave us the victory, and after 40 days, he ascended into heaven. Now, he is seated at the right hand of my father, but he wants to come back and take us all. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. You saw the dead, great and small, that we read earlier. So it says, the dead in Christ will rise first. But what about if he decides to come today? Verse 17. Then we, who are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. I'm looking forward to that time. Amen? So, when the Lord comes back, when that trumpet sounds, I'm ready for it. Are you ready for it? Amen. Are you ready for it? Amen. Then, we who are alive and remain will be caught up. So the law of gravity will be suspended. We'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. And as much as I'm looking forward to that, I pray like John, we're landing with Revelation 22, 12, from verse 12, New King James Version. And the Lord himself is saying, and that's why this is a challenge for any of you who has not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. As much as we're going to celebrate with these ones today who were baptized, we don't want to leave you out. It's about your own personal life. It's about you knowing that your, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's about you knowing that now that I'm saved, I'm also rescued from the power of the enemy. I've got the name of Jesus, that I can call on the name of Jesus and every knee should bow. But now listen. Verse 12, New King James Version. And behold, the Lord is saying, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. Amen? So it's not about the prayer of the pastor when you are in the coffin. He's coming back to reward everyone according to their works. Verse 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Those ones are outside. Lake of fire. Verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angels to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears this say, come. And let him who says, come. Whoever desires, let him take 
the water freely. Verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, what is he saying? What is the Lord saying? Verse 20. Huh? What is the Lord saying? Surely I am coming soon. I'm coming quick. I'm coming soon. Amen. And I say, even so, come Lord Jesus. When Jesus says, I'm coming soon, can we say, can we affirm and say, Lord, yes, come, I'm ready. Are we able to say that? If you are not able to say that, I want to pray with you. Before we celebrate with our brethren, before we give. Worship team. You can come to the fore. I just think if it's the day when others are baptized, it wouldn't be right for us not to give you an opportunity to come into the kingdom. To be bold and say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I want to be saved. I want to be transformed. I want to be rescued from the hands of the enemy. So may we all... Maybe before we stand, let me first ask, does anybody want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want me to pray with you? Raise your hand wherever you are. Thank you, my brother. Anybody else? Okay. Thank you, my brother. I'm going to pray with you. So, <clears throat> amen. You know you have made a very bold step like these people who were baptized today. They are saying, we are not ashamed to be identified with Christ. You know that there are people who are ashamed. We say stand up if you want to accept Jesus or raise your hand. Then they are trying to check, is anybody... So you are ashamed of him. That's why he will be ashamed to call you part of his family. But if you do like that, brother, and say, I'm in. Count me in. The Lord welcomes you home. So... Can we stand up and brother, you're going to follow me. The rest of you, you will pray this prayer with me as we help my brother there to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. So can we all stand together with my brother and I'm going to make this prayer and may the whole church follow me together with my brother who wants to accept his, Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for giving me another chance. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he rose again from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior, take charge of my life. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I bless you for this brother who has accepted you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior.